Beatty acknowledges the Wurundjeri people as the traditional and enduring custodians of the airs, waterways, seas and lands on which this interview has been recorded. We pay our respects to Elders past, present and emerging and celebrate their ongoing cultures and connections to the land on which we all learn, work and explore. Welcome to Vape Village, a podcast by the Victorian Association for the Teaching of English. My name is Emma Jenkins and I'm the Education Officer at Vape, and I'm also your host, bringing to you some ideas, some thoughts and a little bit of friendly conversation about all things pertaining to the English classroom. In this episode of Vape Village, we are joined by Erin Wamala, who some of you might remember from a couple of episodes last year. Erin has worked with children's books in many capacities for over 15 years. She has worked as a national education consultant and as an education marketing manager at Penguin Books Australia. Presently, Erin is the owner of the Kids Bookshop, and she also works as a teacher librarian at Trinity Grammar School in Kew. Erin is currently an Older Readers Judge for the CBC Awards, which is precisely why I've invited her here to have a chat with me about text recommendations for students in Year 7 to 10. My conversation with Erin will take place in two parts. First, we'll hear her recommendations for texts in Year 7 and 8, and our next episode will be focused on Years 9 and 10. Now, before I invited Erin to have a conversation with me, I pitched to her the idea of coming prepared to recommend some suitable texts for students in these year levels, but with the added challenge of selecting texts that complement the vape writing competition theme for the year, which is Stories That Change. Our competition encourages students to delve into this theme and create a story that really embraces it. If you think about the theme with a really wide lens, you can see that it is encouraging students to focus on a big picture. That is, what is a story that changes and how can stories actually go about creating change? But more than that, we have interviews in our teaching and learning package that encourage students to think about the small and the disruptive ways that they can create a story that changes. We've interviewed some authors, Kath Moore, Vivian Pham and Ellen Van Nieven, and they give students ideas and strategies for creating these stories that change. Firstly, they encourage students to think about how they can create characters that bring about change and write really rich characters that engage the reader. They also ask the students to think about what kind of approach they can take to their writing to set them apart, encouraging them to think about conflict and structure and how they can use them to create a really effective story. And finally, they ask students to consider the ways in which they could write a story that disrupts a particular narrative, focusing on a particular voice or including a different perspective that's maybe not heard of before. So, enough from me. Let's hear from Erin and let's see what text she recommends for students in Year 7 and 8. Welcome, everybody. Thank you for joining us here on Vape Village. As I said before, we're here with Erin Wamala from the Kids Bookshop. Erin, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. We, are, as I said before, we're here to talk about text recommendations for uh, students in Year 7 and 8. And before uh, our meeting, Erin, I pitched to you a little challenge to seeing if you could pick any texts uh, that might complement the Vate Stories That Change writing competition theme that we've got this year. And I'm really excited to see what you can recommend for students. Mm -hmm. um, of course, you've got many different hats, you know, when you come across all the different literature <laughs> that you are reading and um, especially with CBCA and of course the bookstore. Um, <laughs> so let me get to it. What kind of text or what are the texts that you've got the first one, first cab off the rank that you would recommend for our junior readers? Okay, so the first one I chose, um, so these have all kind of come about because I read for as a judge for the CBC Awards yep. last year. Um, these are ones that really 
stood out obviously mm -hmm. um, and made, and this is one of the first ones that I read actually and right from when I read it at the beginning I thought that has to be on the notables I think it just has to be and that's the latest one from Dinah Fraylin so oh yeah yeah the from Bones Barrow she wrote the Bones yes Barrow. she wrote the Bones Barrow and this is quite different to the Bones Barrow so on its surface you read the back and it sounds a bit like a fantasy story so um it's about a boy who um wakes up in the afterlife and he kind of goes on this it's sort of it's a bit of a quest i suppose through the afterlife but what it is at its core is a story about street kids um so it's a story about kids who are homeless who have kind of found a family with each other and how they survive on the streets and that kind of complements this story of him waking up in the afterlife i suppose and so the story goes backwards and forwards in time um, so you, you see the lead up to how he um, ended up on the streets, how he ended up um, in the afterlife, and then you've got his quest, I guess, the, the quest fantasy element of it um, in the afterlife as well. Right, so like, is there like a hero's journey kind of situation yeah. there? Yeah, it is. So it's um, it's about Twig, who <clears throat> we know from the, the beginning um, is missing his dad. So something has happened to his mm -hmm. father um, and he's searching for him basically and when he wakes up in the afterlife he thinks this could be where he is and that he's waiting for him and so um he's of course he wakes up in the afterlife he's very confused he doesn't know um where he is or what's going on um and this wonderful little character this little kind of crow um character ends up being sort of his guardian and his guide and he's supposed to take him through the gates um off into the afterlife proper but what happens when you go through these gates is you lose all your memory of your living oh. life um, and so Twig doesn't want to lose his memory of his dad because he still believes that maybe mm -hmm. he can find him. And then he finds out that actually there is something perhaps that he can do. And he has been chosen to go on this quest to open all the gates between the afterlife and the, our living world, I suppose, in order to save the memories of all the people um, who come through. Wow. And so it is a bit of a hero's journey. So he, he has to find keys and he has to solve riddles. Um, so it's a real quest that he has yeah. to go through. Um, and a lot of those find, so every readers, time yeah I was just gonna say they sorry, talk, sorry, go on. They love that like like notion mm. of being able to go and sort of pick up all the clues and put it all together for themselves and get really involved with the actual putting together of the story if that makes sense yeah that's right exactly yeah and that's exactly what happens in this one and so every time he finds one of these gates we get another flashback to his life before this happened that's when we get the story of him um living on the streets and the group of kids that he lives with and you know all that kind of stuff. So it's it's yeah. really clever. That it's sounds quite, really clever. I'm intrigued. Really clever. Yeah. <laughs> and that's is that sort was that the Lost Souls? I saw the book cover just before the Lost Soul. Lost Soul Atlas. Oops, hang on. Lost Sorry. Soul Atlas. <laughs> yeah, the Lost Soul Atlas. Oh, it's beautiful. Cool. Okay. All right. And so I like yeah. the idea of the different structure, the flashbacks, and then coming mm. into. I guess that would probably be something that makes it thinking about the stories that change theme. We've been encouraging our students to think about how they might write their own stories that have a mm -hmm. uh, creative element with the narrative mm -hmm. and back and forward. So that sounds um, that sounds like it might lend itself really nicely to that particular that particular mm. theme and a great text. And is, it is on the notables list. It's it is. Yeah. Beautiful. It is Absolutely. on the notables list. Okay. Yeah. All right. Awesome. Yeah. All right. What about a second text for our younger readers? The second one I chose um, is a little bit more straightforward, I suppose, is Jane Godwin's When Rain Turns to Snow. Mm -hmm. um, and I loved this one. I find, um, and same with Lost Soul Atlas, I don't know about other people, but I find it when I was started teaching, um, so I'm a librarian, I started teaching year sevens, I really overestimated at what level they were reading, yep. um, thinking that they would be reading much higher 
in terms of age, I guess, and um, content than content. they actually are. I kind of forgot that a lot of the year sevens are still only 11, some of them, yeah. at the beginning of the year. Quite, yeah, a really young yeah. 11 too. I found That's that right. with my sevens. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And they're just not ready for YA yet, but maybe they're a little bit too old for some of the middle reader stuff. So I really liked when and Rain Turns to Snow and The Lost Soul Atlas because it's that little bit more sophisticated, but it's still really accessible for yeah. you kind of year seven, eight, those kids who are not quite ready for that. So this one is set in Melbourne. It's actually set in Blackburn. Oh, lovely. Really loved, and it's set in winter, um, which I think you know if you're if you're used to a Melbourne winter, you'll recognise you know so much of what what she um, the way she sets that up, um, and it's about a girl called Lissa um, who's fourteen. She's in year eight. She's quite a young fourteen, which mm-hmm. I liked. I think Jane Godwin got her her voice pitch perfect, and this is not an easy thing to do, mm-hmm. um, but I think she's really got that. Quite often, I read these books, and the the characters just feel so much older than they're yeah. supposed to be. But um, she too. felt. Yeah, she felt really right. She's a little bit unsure. She feels, you know, younger than some of the other girls she's friends with. She has a few kind of toxic relationships, you know, as a lot of girls do um, at at that age. You know, she's kind of friends with these girls and doesn't really know why because they're not very nice to her. Um, So she's kind of got that going on. She has a dad who lives in China. Her mum is here um, in Melbourne with her. She works a lot. She doesn't see her much. So she's feeling a bit alone. She's also got an older brother um, who they were really close, but now he's kind of 16, you know, 17. He seems to be drifting away a bit. So she's at a bit of a loss. Mm -hmm. But then one night on her doorstep, this boy arrives. Um, So the same age, 14-year-old boy, and he has a baby with him. Oh, wow. Yeah, exactly. Um, And and he claims that he knows her mother um, and he's come to see her and okay and this is like that can't be that can't be possible Hmm. um um you've you've got to go basically but then she realizes that the baby may not be that well and maybe they need help Mm -hmm. um but she doesn't quite know what to do about it so it turns into this mystery story like who is this boy why is he turned up on her doorstep why does he why does a 14 year old boy have a baby with him You know, which you know, is a fair enough question. Um, so it's a mystery story as well um, as being this sort of, you know, early teen coming of age story. It's really, really good. I, oh, yeah. It sounds interesting. I like that, you know, Lisa is the protagonist of the story. I mm. feel particularly in text lists that I've encountered that strong female character as the main sort of voice in the story is actually mm. quite hard to come by. And yeah. I know in, you know, choosing... I've been thinking a lot about text lists and mm. reading articles this week from the conversation about gendered text lists and how some sort of schools might choose to align with a particular voice. Yeah. Um, so I like that. And I, we often get a lot of emails about people asking for text with a female protagonist that really yep. drives the story. Well, that's something that we found when we were reading for the, so I read for the Older Readers mm-hmm. Awards. Um, and the vast majority of the books that um, really stood out for us had female leads yeah. and it was really funny because the year before that it was all about the boys we had a yeah. we kind of called them I think we called them our troubled boys um, group because there were a whole lot of stories that were great but they were all about teenage boys kind of fighting against toxic masculinity and mm-hmm. you know bad relationships with their fathers and trying to you know connect with their their emotions and knowing how you know growing up and how to be a man and all that kind of stuff um so it was a very masculine kind of um trend then but yeah last year we had so many books about the about girls just going through all kinds of things we had you know girls going through pregnancy and you know mystery stories or solving crimes and dystopia it was really diverse in the types of books but really really good female 
leads and female authors as well. Yeah, which is is great to see. Yeah, I love Mm. that. Is there any sort of part of this particular text that you you found really rich and really engaging that might hook uh, people in in terms of, you know, thinking about including this text Mm. or recommending it to someone in their class? Yeah. You know what? Actually, um, I was looking at that and I was thinking about it um, and that's actually the the opening um, I really like. Do you want me to read you a little? Yeah, great. Bit? Go for wanna, it. Yeah, because um, I think she just sets it up really, really well. Mm-hmm. So it's not too long. So the first, so it's actually set only over the course of a week. Um, so every mm-hmm. section is another day of the right. week, um, and it's told from both Liss's and Reed is the boy, um, his point of view as well, but mainly from Liss's point of view. So this is Lissa. This is when we first meet her on a Tuesday night, um, and this chapter is called Mist. That's a short word, but you can rest for a while in the S part. You can actually say that word for as long as you like. Mist is a homophone, like read, when the sound of the word has two meanings, but you spell it differently. Mist can also be missed, like someone is missed or missing. So after dinner on Monday night, I'm putting rubbish in the bin around the side of our house, and I can just make out a shape, like a sheet covering something, up against the heating outlet under the old wooden awning. It's pretty dark, and the light around the side hasn't come on because it needs a new globe, and that's the stuff Dad used to do. I know that's sexist and everything, but I'm stating a fact. Dad changed the light globes in our house. Dad mowed the lawn. Sure, he did cleaning and stuff, and he read to me when I was little. And Mum did gardening too. She just never mowed the lawn, but now she does. Um, and I think that I, I just really love that part because you get a bit of a sense of Lisa. She loves words. Yeah. Um, and the words that she's chosen really sets up the story. So she's talking about the word missed or missing, and we've got mm-hmm. a missing missing child. Um, and the word read so in this case it's just it's the word obviously for the grass but the boy's name ends up being read and then we know right from that first paragraph that her parents aren't together yeah dad used to do stuff around the house he's not there anymore hmm. um just saying a fact to mom. yeah and that's it and now it's up to mom and everything's kind of different and I kind of I just really like the way she sort of she, yeah. sets it up and then she, she goes on um to talk about you know, it's kind of mystery of seeing something outside but not really knowing what it, it sounds like she's got a really strong voice. Like you can mm. you almost pick up the sort of character and you can imagine that kind of girl that you might meet or boy indeed that sort yeah. of in that manner and sort of is a bit blase, states things how they are, is yeah. really sort of caught up on stuff it sounds. She That's sounds right. like a great, like strong, you know, relatable she character is. for a yeah, lot of Yeah, she's she's really relatable. I think for a lot of kids it'll they'll be able to read it and say, oh, she's just like me or you know one yeah, of my friends I think that great. the real beauty of this one as I said I think Jane Godwin got the the um the narrative and the voice is great Hold on. perfect yeah absolutely. so does it alternate between like one chapter uh Lisa one chapter read pretty uh, much? not quite I think it's a, a little bit I don't think it's quite one chapter each but it, it mm-hmm. does go backwards and forwards back and um, forth between, between, between the two, the two. yeah and the cha- I take it the chapters are named after Melbourne weather events NIST fog yeah <laughs> not all of them. There's a, yeah that's right um there's a few different ones I think you kind of like I'm just looking here there's one called solstice and it actually yeah it kind of does I hadn't noticed that before oh no there's lullaby so there's whatever the word is it does have relevance to the, the, the chapter that you're, yeah. yeah I really like that when authors are think about those creative choices they can make to sort of twine or thread that thread through their hmm. particular narrative yeah all Definitely. right, great. Okay, and third text, you've got a third one for us. Yeah, the third one. I don't actually have a copy of this because I talk about it in my library classes and then it, they all disappear. So oh, I'm just going right. to hold up the cover anyway. And that was Across the Risen Sea. I don't know if you can see that properly. Yeah, Sorry. We, I can see that. Um, this one is by Bren McDibble, who um, a lot of people know 
as the author of How to Be and The Dog Runner. Oh, um, okay. to, yeah, this one is actually on the younger readers um, mm -hmm. notables list. And I had been wanting to read it for a while and I finally read it and I just loved it. It's quite different. I love The Dog Runner as well. Mm -hmm. um, and I recommend that a lot to my sevens. Again, great for those kids who want something, um, you know, not too challenging content wise, but um, this one has lots of action and lots of adventure. Great if you've got kids who are not necessarily big readers, mm -hmm. um, you know, capable readers, but are maybe not all that engaged. Um, yep. I think both this one and the dog runner actually are really engaging um, texts. Um, so this one is set in a future Australia. Cool. That has been, yeah, that has been all but destroyed by climate change. So the sea has risen, obviously, mm -hmm. from the the title um, and people have uh, lots of people lost their lives cities of course because most of us live around the the coast have been completely destroyed um, people had to move inland there was lots of fighting over resources and things like that but some people moved to higher ground in little islands that kind of dotted around Australia and so this is where this is set um, so it's set on a little island with a community who have been living quite happily, they call it living gently, um, kind of quite sustainably on this island, you know, community of kids and adults. Um, and it's about a girl called Neoma. And she has grown up on this island. I think her mother was pregnant when it all started to kind of go downhill. Um, so she's known nothing but this island. They scavenge, so they sometimes they will go um, diving into the old ruins or they will, you know, find old buildings and go scavenging for things that they can use. Mm -hmm. um, they have a little bit of kind of solar powered technology, but really basically they they hunt and they fish um, and that's, you know, how they live quite happily. And there are certain lots of communities around on different islands who, who do this. Um, but then one day these strangers turn up, they don't really say anything. Um, they climb to one of the top of one of their hills, they cut down the trees and they start erecting this structure. Um, oh. And yeah, and so it's all very confusing for the people who live on um, Neoma's island, um, but they kind of, all right, they sort of let it go. Um, and then they're told if they touch this structure, then they will die, basically. Um, so they find out these people come from a place called the Valley of the Sun, and they have built some kind of conductor, um, some kind of, it's got a light on the top. Um, and, you know, they're obviously monitoring something. So of course, the community is not happy about this. But when on an other, another island, one of the uh, members of the Valley of the Sun, there's kind of a, a tragic occurrence I suppose um, and Neoma's community gets blamed for it happening and as a result of that it's kind of other things that happen but as a result of that her best friend is taken um, by these people and taken to basically be a slave I suppose a sort of punishment I guess um, and Neoma takes it upon herself to get him back um, so she steals a boat um, she's she's like 11 or 12 years old steals a boat um, sails off in the direction she thinks they've gone in um, determined to rescue him and bring him back and so it's really this it's it, an adventure on the open sea really and yeah. she battles massive crocodiles and sharks and a pirate who tries to steal her boat um, and it's really really good but the thing about it is that she's written it in such a way that actually none of it seems that far-fetched like you, know, you, say it out loud, you say it out loud like that and you're like really yeah. um, but she's so clever in the way that she writes it and the setting that you're in um, that you just go with it um, with the whole thing and it's got some really great scenes of you know kind of suspense um, and adventure as well but underneath there is this this story of sustainability I suppose yeah. you know what it means why we need to look after the environment and you know what might happen um should you know the seas rise and yeah, yeah almost that like uh, 
dystopian edge, you know, mm. like a very potential issue that we could actually face with Absolutely. levels and, and whatnot. Definitely. Is it, I mean, it's, is it allegorical? It sounds, you know, like these people sort of rocking up to Australia mm. um, unannounced yeah. and erect, cutting down trees and erecting structures and taking people away. Yeah, um, actually, I actually hadn't thought about that, but you're probably right about that. Um, in some I think you could, way. You, yeah, you definitely could draw comparisons hmm. I think interesting I guess it gives it that sort of cyclical feeling you know it's still in the future but then we're we're getting almost a repeat um of yeah the but the same sort of issue well. you know yeah. circling back around exactly or, and yeah. part of part of why this happens is that once society kind of starts breaking down the government just gives up um, and so the land and the resources what little resources there are kind of up for grabs from anyone mm -hmm. who can take mm -hmm. them really so these people from the valley of the sun feel like they're entitled to whatever they can take and so hey, yeah absolutely I feel like I'm getting John Marsden tomorrow when the war began yeah, a little as well a little there. and how those yeah. people arrived in Australia mm. I've forgotten hell whatever that place is called I've forgotten but well, that's um, right yeah 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 and arriving mm. and taking whatever seems to be theirs yeah that's right yeah, well, yeah. I like that theme of sustainability and that's mm. certainly something we're all grappling with and encouraging our students to think more about and as individuals thinking mm. about how we can do our part to prevent a climate mm. disaster. Absolutely. In some way. If we're not, you know, if our government won't make actions, how can mm. we make small changes to our yeah. own lifestyles? That's right. And I think a lot of kids, they they think about it. Like it's yeah. really, a, you know, it's front of mind for, a, a, for that generation, which, you know, understandably. And I think they feel a lot of responsibility and they really, you know, kind of do wonder about what would it look like. Um, and there seems to be a real spate of books about that kind of thing. That kind of thing. Is yeah, it in a particular age. year? Have they put a time on it? Haven't put a time. Just the future. No, just the future. be next week yeah. at this rate. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, they sound great. Yeah. They're really three really engaging texts and certainly, mm. um, you know, new new voices and new ideas and coming to the forefront and it's great they've come off the notables list as well and mm. um they're obviously quite you know mm. quality texts that people can can get around and hopefully at least stock in their school libraries absolutely about how they can incorporate them into the classroom so um i think erin that's a wrap on our year seven and eight text right. selections little section um erin yep. is going to pop by again and talk about text recommendations for year nine and ten um so we might leave it here and we'll catch up with erin next time so uh erin thank you for joining us i'll see you soon thank you for having me so there we have it some excellent text recommendations from erin on the vate village podcast thank you again to erin for sharing her knowledge and her expertise some of us we don't have the time to read as many texts as Erin does and it's fantastic that she is able to come onto the podcast and share her recommendations for us so that we can take them back into the classroom. If you have a burning topic that you'd like for me to discuss on Vape Village, please feel encouraged to reach out to me via email. You can reach me at educationofficer at vate.org.au. I'm really looking forward to hosting more of these interviews and to bringing topics into your eardrums that you can discuss with your colleagues at work. Until next time, take care.